Thank you for tuning in to First Assembly in Youngsville, Louisiana, where it's our vision to be a place to meet with God. We pray that you will find this message to be both encouraging and empowering as we go deeper into the Word of God through Spirit-empowered, life-giving, Christ-centered ministry. For more information about First Assembly or to catch up on previous messages, you can visit our website at firstassembly.place. But this morning I have a special message and as we're just going to continue in our series uh, entitled, What's the Big Deal? What's the Big Deal? Come on, how many of you know that Christmas is a pretty big deal? I mean, I, I, it, it, whether you're in the secular world, the church world, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, I, had, I, had, I love uh, Shane had a little comment the other day. He said, he said if, you're, if, you're, if you don't believe in Jesus and you're buying Christmas presents, what, what are you doing, you know? What are you doing? Don't you realize that Jesus is the reason for the season? But what does that, that's a nice cliche statement. But what does that really mean? And last week we looked at that, that, that Christmas is really founded upon multiple principles that, that start with the creation of the heavens and the earth. Come on, how many of you know that we have to believe that for one, that there is a God? Come on, and we have to believe that, that two, that, that He revealed Himself through the Holy Scriptures, through the Word of God, through the Bible. Come on, right now, if you have a Bible, can you just hold your Bible up? Come on, Amen. Don't you know that, that this is whenever we declare the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we are holding up God's revealed word in our community? Well, how many of us need to get more into the word each and every day? I want to challenge you to, to begin to read your Bible uh, every day, three, time, three chapters on, uh, through every day and then five chapters on Sunday. And what will end up happening is you read through the entire Bible in a year. So, so three chapters every day and five on Sunday. Next thing you know, you've read through the entirety of all scriptures. And you know what you do when you're done? You do it again. They had a, they had a wonderful lady who was, uh, she was the director at Christ for the Nations Institute since 1972. And she just passed away recently, a couple of years ago. And so she came across many, 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 many thousands of young believers and evangelists and missionaries. And those who were called to serve in Christian ministry. And she said that she teach, taught that lesson. She said that, that the people that have committed to do that and did it, read three chapters a day and five on Sunday, she never met a single one of them that have ever backslidden from the faith. Well, that, that is the greatest way to secure your faith, get into God's Word every single day. Amen? So what's the big deal about all this Christmas stuff? I mean, that, that's what's the big deal, is that Jesus came. It's not necessarily, as Doc said, about gifts and giving or about decorations and food. I think sometimes in all that, we can kind of miss the point. I believe that there is a big deal about Christmas. And we need to, as the church, begin to declare what's the big deal. The truth is, is that Jesus came as the Christ. Because we know that we have this, this little baby that was born in a manger. But I want you to know that that baby wasn't just any baby. He was the Christ. He was the Messiah. He was the anointed one who came as a king. Come on, don't you realize that, that not, many of, not many people are called the Messiah? Actually, there was only one who was called Messiah. And if you look throughout Scripture, and this will be in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about just the prophetic Jesus, who Jesus is in the Old Testament. Well, don't you realize that just to fulfill about 10 of those prophecies is like a 1 in like 10 to the 17th power chance? That's like multiple trillions and trillions that, that one man would fulfill all the prophecies in the, in the Old Testament. Not even all the prophecies, just a small handful of prophecies. And Jesus fulfilled some over 200 specific prophecies in the Old Testament that pointed to him as the Messiah. 
But do you, do you realize that whenever kings are born, that dignitaries come from, from foreign lands to bring gifts unto the king? You know, that, that's, that story is recorded in, in the, the book of Luke as we see the wise men coming and bringing gifts. And, and this is the story that's going to be declared here next week at our living Bethlehem. But I want to submit to you that Jesus didn't just come because to this earth for just any reason. He didn't just come so we'd have something to do in the month of December. Come on, I mean, football's wrapping up and, and basketball's wrapping up. God didn't just say, hey, let me just do Christmas. It kind of fills in the gap. Come on, I want you to know that, that, that God sent His own Son to the earth, not specifically for just Christmas or Easter, but He, came, he sent His Son because there was a huge problem. I mean, there is a huge problem with humanity. I mean, if you don't believe me when I say there's a huge problem, I think that sometimes we get desensitized to a lot of the problems that we see. You know, when, when, you, see, when you see abortion and rape and you see, and you see wars and, and people killing each other and, and, and genocide and, and, and captivity and slavery and sex trade and all these things, and you say, well, that's just normal activity. That's not normal activity. You see, that, that's a result of sin. You see, that's what God came to do. That's what the big deal is. That Jesus came into this world, not just to come as a, ma- as a baby, not just to come for God to be worshipped, but He came to fix a problem. And that problem is sin. So here this morning, I've got the most popular message, I bet you, in all of the pulpits around the country here this morning, that we're going to talk about sin. Why? Because it's, it's, sin is... It's a revolting, terrible, nasty, ugly thing. But I want you to know that if you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, come on, He can lift us up. As we say, Jesus, be lifted up in my life. That He will exalt Himself and He will exalt us. As Dr. Lynn shared here this morning. I want to start with a verse of Scripture in Matthew chapter 19, verses 25 through 26. It says, who then can be saved? You see, the, the apostles had, nobody in the, during that time had a question about what sin was. Nobody had a question about what eternity was. You see, now we live in, a, in, a, in a, a post-Christian world. We live in a world where Jesus has come, where there is an answer. But I think that many times we take that answer for granted. And in fact, we've even turned it into something that it was never intended to be. You see, the truth of it is, is who can be saved? I remember as a young man even asking the question, save from what? I mean, what, what are you talking about? Save from what? Who needs Jesus anyway? I don't care that he died. I remember, did I see uh, Pastor Tommy walk in earlier? See arrows. Hey, Pastor Tommy, come on. I just want to, I saw you walk in. just want to just recognize you here this morning and bless you. I, I'm just going to honor you by quoting you that, that, in, in such a way that, that, that Pastor Tommy, he used to say very, very often, he would say, you know, I, I didn't even want Jesus to die for me, right? I didn't need Jesus. That wasn't even on my, on my radar. I didn't ask him to do that. Come on, who needs to be, who can be saved? But I want you to see that, that in that time, that they had, a, they had a, an understanding that there needed salvation, that there was a problem, and that sin was a problem. I implore you today that we need to recognize that sin is a problem in this world. And as long as we accept it and we think that it's okay, that it's just going to be okay, I want you to know it's not going to be okay without Jesus. Matthew 19, 25 and 26, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. 
Come on, can you look at your neighbor here this morning and just let them know that with God, all things are possible? Amen. Come on, is that good, good news? You see, sin is a problem. Sin is a problem. And, and where did this problem begin? I mean, I want you to know that sin takes on many facets, and I want to get into a couple of those here this morning. But it begins with an understanding that God created man, and He created us perfect and in His image. Come on, can you, can you look at your na- other neighbor and say, I was created perfect in God's image? You see, the, although it's, sometimes that's hard to say, isn't it? We don't always feel so perfect. You see, through sin, man faced death, and they had no answers. You see, it, we, were created, we were created perfect, but in the garden, something happened. And I want to talk about a little bit that, about that this morning. But in Romans 5.12, it says, Therefore, just, just as though one man, through one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. Well, it's, a, it's a crucial understanding in this present day and age that we are all sinners. That we are all sinners. That we all need Jesus. Come on, I don't think there's a single person here that can say, well, you know what, I don't really need Jesus. I, I, I've lived a good life. I've done my good deeds. I've, I've, I've given to the poor. I've done all the things that, that I think that Jesus would want me to do. And all those things are great and fine and God expects you to do them. But without Jesus, you are still lost and de- destined for an eternity in hell. It says that, that Jesus said of himself that, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. That we have to have Jesus. That Jesus came to this earth to fix the world's biggest problem. He, became, he came to this earth because it's a big deal that, that God so loved the world. And he saw the world that was, that was crumbling and falling apart. Why? Because of sin. If you have your Bible, turn with me. We're going to go just right into the book of Genesis. And I want to talk about a, a few points in there. And for many of us, this may seem like, like kind of rudimentary Christianity. But I think that during this season, it's very important that we... Remember some of these things. Why? Because, because these are the things that are on people's mind, even right now. Come on, how many of you know that this is a great way to just to evangelize with those who are around you? You know, the people are in the Christmas season, right? You go into all the stores, man, the music's going. I, I, love, I love when we go Christmas caroling, because we're actually going singing worship songs in the community, right? But then they start singing along with us, and they don't even realize that they're singing songs like, Oh, let us adore Him. Come on, do they know who they're letting us adore? Come on, Jesus. So this is a great opportunity. Say, hey, man, oh, this is great. I'm so glad that you're in the Christmas season, that that, that the spirit of giving has been released on this place. But do you know what the real big deal about about Jesus coming? You know, Jesus came as a baby, but he came as a king. Come on, he came as our savior. He came to redeem us from the pit. He came to redeem us from, from being lost. Man, I love Jesus. Amen. I love Jesus because I have a testimony of what he's done in my life and what he's done in countless others. Uh, another quote from Pastor Tommy. I mean, I, I got it written right here in the front of my Bible for a specific reason because it says here, it says, it says a person with an experience in God is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. Come on, you can't convince me that Jesus didn't die for my sins because I know where I was before and I know where I am today. 
Come on, I've talked to so many who knew, I've seen who were, who were addicts and who were depressed and who were, had broken relationships and broken marriages. And I've seen God come and bring peace and restoration and joy in those situations. You can't argue with me that Jesus isn't real. You can't argue with me that Jesus didn't die for my sins. Why? Because I've experienced that. You can't argue with me that the Holy Spirit isn't, isn't for today. You can't argue with me that, that healing isn't for today. Why? Because I've experienced both of those things. Genesis chapter 2, are you there? It says that God formed, it's just verse 7, it says, And God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Verse 8, it says that the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put man whom he had formed. And out of the ground God made every tree grow that is pleasant for the sight and good for food. And the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was there as well. I want you to get this, this, this image in your brain that man is created perfectly. He is created in the very image and likeness of God, that his, his nature is so divine as he just walks with God in the garden. This is literally, God is his best friend. I mean, at, at Adam and Eve's wedding, I mean, God was the best man. He was the, 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 the preacher, you know. He was all of that. Why? Because God loved Adam. He loved Eve. And, but he, he, you know, how many of you realize that love requires that sometimes uh, obedience and it requires boundaries? See, don't you realize that had God just created Adam and Eve and put them into the garden, there was no, no, no opportunity for Adam to make a wrong choice, that all he had was good choices and all he had was good opportunities, then he would have been just the same as all the angels, just simply just having to just... Do what God says. But God, in His wisdom, He put two trees. He put the tree of life, which Adam, it says that, Adam, you could eat any tree in the whole of the garden. Any tree. I mean, Adam would literally walk by, man. Look, there's a tree. This is a tree. He would walk by and he would say, hey, look, the tree of life. Boom, he would eat of it. Man, eat. And he would eat and eat and eat. And he was destined to live for eternity in perfect communion with God. And then there came a moment, and there, there was this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But, but how many of you know if you put your full weight and trust in the Lord? Come on, how many of you realize that we don't have to necessarily depend upon ourselves to do the right thing? We can depend upon God. But how many of us, whenever we enter into a difficult situation or a difficult decision, our first response is to say, okay, Lord, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Come on, I want to encourage you this morning to, when you re- enter into those situations, we, our, our prayer needs to change from, our question needs to change from what am I going to do to, Lord, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Come on, I've seen God move mountains for our sakes. That doesn't mean sometimes we pray, Lord, move this mountain. He doesn't just give you a shovel. But God put two trees, the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, And then there was a serpent, the enemy, the deceiver. There was one who was so deceptive upon this earth. He came to Eve and he said, surely God has, has, he's given you all these things. Surely, surely you can eat of this. You certainly, you're not going to die. You see, I I believe that 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 seed of doubt, that seed of questioning God's authority was planted that day into humanity and humanity acted upon it. And they took of that tree. See, the eating of the fruit wasn't the sin. The sin was simply the sin of pride and disobedience to the Father. You see, why is it? Because God 
wanted us to enjoy the fullness of obedience. How many of you realize that there is there is joy in obedience? Come on, there's joy in knowing what to do and doing it. There's joy in knowing what the right thing to do is and taking that step and doing it. Come on, walking in obedience brings great joy. Walking in faith brings great joy. Walking in the Spirit brings great joy. It's when we begin to walk in the flesh and begin to try to force our own way. That's when the joy ceases. Come on, it doesn't, don't you remember whenever Jesus was, was, was meeting there with Paul in, on the road to Damascus, he says, Paul, why are, you, why are you kicking against the goads? Why are you kicking against the pricks? Why are you fighting against me? Come on, I believe that on that day, God was saying, Paul, you need to begin to walk in faith with me. Do what I say to do. You see, on that day in the garden, whenever Adam and Eve took of that, 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 that fruit that they sinned, and that, and that sin created a break between God and humanity, I want you to know that, that it's not necessarily a curse from God, but God said, I, I can't dwell with you humans anymore. Why? Because, because you don't want to dwell with me. You would prefer to just dwell with one another. So God, in His infinite wisdom, knowing that He loved us so much, that He cared for us beyond anything we can want, need, or imagine, in all of His infinite wisdom, that very day in the garden, it says that, that, that He drove man out from there. See, He drove man out from His very presence, from that perfection. You see, this is a problem for all of us. Because this is where some of us are, that we've all been. A place of absolute estrangement from the father but God in his wisdom he didn't want man to live eternally in that estrangement well we've already eaten of the tree of the the knowledge of good and evil but God in his wisdom said I don't want the I don't want man to go eat from that tree of life and begin to live in a permanent state of separation from me so he set up cherubim if you look in Genesis chapter 3 verse 24 he drove So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim in the east of the garden of Eden in a flaming sword, which turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. And then in Genesis 3.19, God pronounces that that man of the dust, man is from dust you were created to dust you shall return. You see, at that moment, mankind handed over his authority for life. He handed over his authority to 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 dominion, to the enemy. We lost our authority in the garden. And we gained a broken nature, that sin nature. Well, you don't have to, 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 to look very far to even see some of the smallest children as they, been, get, as they raise up and they grow up. But we don't have to teach them to lie. We don't have to teach them to steal. We don't have to teach them to be selfish. You see, this has created a huge problem for mankind. But I want to talk a little bit this morning about two specific aspects of sin. One is is, is sin as it relates to God, which we can call vertical sin. And the other one would be sin as it relates to humanity, which we can call horizontal sin. Right? Horizontal being kind of flat out. Vertical being up. Don't you realize that sin not only separates us from God, but don't you see that it damages our relationships one with another? Come on, I, I, we need to re- realize that. I mean, look, right after Adam and Eve were in the garden and sin entered into this earth, we see that, that Cain and Abel, even, even though they were trying to make atonement through sacrifice to God, the relationship one to the other horizontally was broken and you have murder and bloodshed and selfishness and self-gain. 
This is the condition from which the Christ came. Come on, Jesus came not to just be born of a manger, but he came to redeem mankind from this condition of sin. And that is the best news on the face of the planet. Romans 3.23, many of you are, are familiar with it. It's kind of the entry into the Roman road. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, we were created in, in the image of, of God. We were created perfect. But we were also to return to dust. You know, whenever, that, whenever sin entered into, the, into man's heart, and we begin to, God, our, our relationships begin to be broken. You can even see the symptoms that right there in the Garden of Eden. What was the first thing that Adam and Eve did? They began to create fig leaves. And they began to put boundaries between one another. Why? Why? Because not only does sin affect our relationship with God, but it affects our relationship with one another. You see, they begin to put up rules and they begin to put boundaries. Up. Why? Because, because they lost their authority and their dominion and their self-love for one another. Come on, God calls us to love one another. That was the mess. That was Jesus's message. He says the kingdom has come. He said, love one another. That, that's what faith is. It's the ability to love God and love others. Jesus, as a matter of fact, said that these are the, this is what wraps up the entirety of the law and the prophets. That you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And you should love your neighbor as yourself. You see, you, see, you can see there the, the vertical, loving God, and the horizontal, loving others. Adam and Eve begin to put up boundaries between one another. And our relational sin became a result of our original sin. So what does God do? He begins to put out laws and rules to manage and govern society. But it says in, in, in Romans, it says that the law wasn't given to, to, to create a, a relationship with God. It was simply to be a schoolmaster to teach us what was to come. How many of you know that, that the law in the Old Testament is simply a type and shadow of what is to come? That it was totally fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Come on, I got, next week I've got a message about just that, 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 that seed of Abraham, the promise of God unto humanity. I love the, a quote, I'll quote it here from a theologian and a, a Paul Tillich. And he lived probably in the, well he didn't live probably, he lived in the 1940s and 50s is kind of the, the height of his, of his uh, influence. It says that one should always be conscious of the fact that sins are an expression of, of sin. One should always be conscious of the fact that sins are the expressions of sin. You see, many times we look at, we look at our sin, we say, well, well I, I'm a, you know, I, don't, I don't lie, I don't cheat, I don't steal, but maybe, maybe that's what we're just trying to fix, right? We're just trying to fix how we relate to one another, but we don't realize that how we're relating to one another is due to the fact that our relationship with God is broken. Come on, I don't, I, we don't need more psychological message about who Jesus is. We need a, we need a, a, a message of who Jesus is to fix our very heart so that way we can relate one to another in a more healthy way. Come on, we can begin to talk about stealing and lying and cheating and, 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 and all those things. But, but until we fix the issue of the heart, the issue of sin, and someone becomes and finds peace in their heart with Jesus Christ, all that, verti- that, that horizontal stuff doesn't even matter. Come on, how many of you know just one word from Jesus can transform a life? 
Well, I spent many years of my life trying to break addictions, trying to quit cussing, trying to quit smoking and dipping and, and, and lying and cheating. But one word from Jesus, and I was changed in a moment. Come on, when you begin to fix the heart, the rest of the relational issues begin to fix themselves. We need to be conscious of the fact that, that many times sins, come on, how many of us, we get around people who are lost, who, people who are not Christians, and we say, man, that can't, this guy's a sinner. Well, of course he is. Of course they are. Come on, don't you know that, that that's just what sinners do? They sin. Well, that's why the Bible teaches us to not be unequally yoked one to another, with believers and unbelievers. Why? Because I'm not saying you can't trust that person. I wouldn't be so bold as to say that. You just can't really rely on them all the time. Well, how many of you know that, that there are great, great people who are lost, but I want you to know that I want to be bound together with believers. Why? Because I know that they share a, a, a similar foundation. We talked about this last week, that it's on that foundation. We can argue about the walls and the roof, right? But if the foundations are broken, the walls and the roof will be broken as well. You see, sin is simply separation from God. It's estrangement. There's separation. The garden was created for our pleasure and for our enjoyment. And the tree of, of, of the knowledge of good and evil was created to bring in to that pleasure of enjoyment, the, the, the pleasure and enjoyment of obedience. When we became estranged from God, we tried to mimic the garden in unholy manners. You see, after we became estranged, and you can see it today even, that, that, that we want to live that good and pleasurable life. But without Jesus, it's impossible. So we build up mimics and imitations and perversions of what, what God had for us in the garden. You know, these things that God created for us, pleasure and happiness and joy. You see, we've got to realize that God is good and everything else is finite. But God is infinite. You see, you see all those things that we try to do to bring a false sense of pleasure, sex and wealth and power and personal glory, God has given to us into the garden. You see, we, we try to fight and get all these things back without going to the one who just really wants to give it all to us anyway. Well, the real heart of the issue is that Jesus came to fix a huge problem. And it's a big deal. And this is what we're celebrating this time of the year. You see, when we begin to fix the vertical problem, a lot of times the relational problems fix themselves. When the relationship with God is restored, our relationship with man is restored. And I was talking to Doc a little bit, and he reminded me about a quote that I had read. And this is, this is from the flaming tongue of evangel evangelical awakenings from, the, from a magazine article about the 1900s. And he was talking about the West, Welsh revival. And it says here that, that during this revival, that God was just pouring out His love on a community, that drunkenness was immediately cut in half. And many taverns went bankrupt. Crime was so diminished that judges were presented with white gloves signifying that there were no cases of murder, assault, rape, or robbery of the like to consider. The police became unemployed in many districts. Uh, district stoppages occurred uh, in the coal mines. Not due because of unpleasantness between the management and the workers. I mean, think about this. The entire coal mines were shut down. But because so many foul-mouthed miners become, became converted and stopped using foul languages, that the horses that would haul the coal couldn't understand what they were saying anymore. 
Come on, it wasn't because they went to church and they learned a set of rules that they can live by and they can begin to interact. They had a genuine conversion to Jesus Christ. Jesus touched their hearts and everything else was affected. Come on, I mean, that's, that should be our testimony. God touched my life in such a way that, that even all my old relationships kind of fall apart because they were built on shaky foundations. You know, many of us have this, this, this theory that we kind of like breaking God's law. How many of y'all heard that you can't break the law? I want you to, I, I, I read this story. This was about a, 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 an event that took place during World War II of a ship. It was a, and it was, you know, the, the admiral of the Navy, he was going in World War II. He was riding on this ship and they were, they were making headway. They were coming back to the United States. And it was at night and it was a little foggy. And they, they were coming in. And this was back before they had really high-tech sonar. They had some kinds of sonar and things like that. Well, the admiral, he's coming into the port, and he's, you know, those big ships, they've got their, their lights, right? And he's like, well, I'm the admiral, so he, he come, he's, he's driving on, the ship is coming, he's shining his light forward, he sees another ship out in the distance, another light shining. So he says, well, you know, we're, we're really in a hurry, they need to give way. So he, there's a, a, a tone of the horn, he, they honk their horn, or whatever it is, Maybe many of you who are in the Navy can probably uh, educate me on that. But the, 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 they get a reply that, you know, a honk or a horn blast that they're not going to give way, this opposing ship. So the admiral gets on the radio and uh, he says, look, you know, I'm the admiral, we're in a hurry, you need to give way. And this light is just getting bigger and bigger. And they just get that blast from the horn that says, you know, we're not giving way. So the admiral, and his, all of, he's like, man, I can't believe this. I mean, I'm the admiral of the U.S. Navy. They are going to give way, we're going to go straight this way, this is where we're going, they're going to listen to me. So he, 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 said, he does the blast, and through all this commotion and all these things, the, the pilot of the ship comes up there to the, to the bridge, and he says, uh, what's going on? He says, look, Admiral said, well, this ship, we're coming up, we're fixing to uh, ram them, I mean, I'm giving them the, the, the blast to give way, and they're not giving way. He said, well, sir, that's a lighthouse. So, of course, the ship, they, the admiral, he capitulated. He gave way. <laughs> Come on, how many of you realize that, that, it, that that's how we are with sin? That's how we are with the law? Many times we think that we're going to break the law, but I want you to know if we continue in sin, it's not the law that gets broken, it's us that gets broken against it. Come on, it's in our stubbornness, in our hard-headedness that we can be like that admiral that's saying, you know what, I'm just going to plow forward, I'm just going to continue on, but we're just going to end up crashing on the rocks. Come on, Jesus came that we don't have to crash on the rocks. See, men dealt with sin in two ways. He developed a system of laws and he developed a system of sacrifice. Why? Because the laws, they kind of fix the horizontal aspect. If you read through the Old Testament, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not, all these things. And all the 300 and some odd laws that were given in the Old Testament, those are intended to bring a barrier and to bring order into a broken sin system that man had created horizontally. And then there was a system of sacrifice that, that, was, that was illustrated that a sacrifice was given through the shedding of blood. And that sacrifice was intended to bring restoration between man and God. See, Jesus in fact stated that, that all of the law and the prophets are summed up this way. Love God, love your neighbor. You see, man, since... Since sin took place, 
God began to try to bring restoration. He began to try to bring type and shadows. He began to point and give directions to mankind of how to restore that relationship. And that restoration comes through Jesus Christ. That's the big deal about Christmas. You see, Jesus came to save the world. We all share in that sin condition. Every single one of us. You see, many times, even in our sacraments, we see reflections of this, of this reality, these, these horizontal sins and these vertical sins. You see, baptism, as we, as we just had a baptism just a couple of weeks ago, that baptism represents that sacrifice, that death, burial, and resurrection. That baptism represents a, a making right of one person's soul with the Creator of all the heavens and the earth. And even in our communion, we see that, that that's a symbol that symbolizes the law. That we do, how many of you realize we take communion together and with the Lord? That that's a horizontal element. You know, in fact, Paul even encourages us to wait for one another and to prefer one another in communion. But there's good news. That was a lot of bad news. I'm not going to give you the bad news without the good news. Romans 5.12, it says that therefore, just as one man sinned, just, just as through one man Sin entered the world and death through sin and thus separated men because all have sinned. You see, God is just, God is love, that God can't back from, away from those promises. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 47 through 49. Chase, I'm kind of skipping around a little bit. It says, the first man was of the earth. Made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And was the man of dust. And as was the man of dust. So also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man. So also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust. We shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Come on. Every single one of us were born. Into a condition of sin. Having a broken relationship both with God and with others. But you see it says just as each and every one of us were born. I mean how many of you are alive here today? Anybody alive? Anybody not alive? Anybody, any doctors in the house? You know, anybody struggling with that life issue? You know, just as, as every single one of us were created. How many of you were all born? Right? We were all born. Anybody here had the opportunity to pick where they were born? I mean, if I'd have had the opportunity, I would have picked something like Hawaii or something like that, right? Sometimes we don't have that. Op- well, actually, never do we have that opportunity. Anybody got to pick their parents? No. Nobody got to pick what side of the tracks they were born in? No. Sometimes we just work with what we have. Well, I want you to know, I wasn't born into the best of home life. You know, at an early age, parents being divorced and, you know, kind of the the whole family unit began to fall, fall, around, fall apart around me, but I can't carry that around on my shoulders all my life. Come on, how many of you know that we were all born in that, that image and likeness of Adam? That through Adam, sin entered the earth, and we have inherited that very sin nature, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And as a matter of fact, it says that, that if you continue down that Roman road, that, that Paul says that, that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. David, if you can come. 
You see, in 1 Corinthians, it says that the first man was of the earth. But the second man, the heavenly man. You see, this is what Christmas is all about. Come on, how many of you know that we were all born, we were all created, we're all here, we're all part of that, that earthly image of humanity. But it says in Corinthians, as it says that just as much as we had the opportunity to be born of this earth, to be born of the original Adam, to be born of the flesh, we have that same opportunity, as it says in John chapter 3, to be born again, not of the flesh, but of the Spirit. Come on, that we can take on the image, not of the man of the dust, but the heavenly Man, come on, how many of you here this morning can say, I want to be, carry the image of that heavenly man, that man, Jesus Christ, who came as a, as a humble baby born in a manger. Why? So he can be anointed the king of the universe, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the heavens and earth, Emmanuel, God with us. And he gave a promise to us. He said that if you just would call upon my name, that you can be born again. Not of the dust, but of the Spirit. That's the Christmas message. That's what Christmas is about. We we can try to do a bunch of things to try to fix that relationship. You know, we we can do sacrifices and we can sing songs and we can do sacraments and we can... We can do all those things, but all of those things fall short, unfortunately. Christ came as an answer to all of those things. This is the big deal of Christmas. (laughs) It's a big deal. It's the biggest deal ever, actually. Come on, this is the best Black Friday sale of all time. You don't even have to wait in line. Amen? We hope that you found this message to be both a blessing as well as challenging. If you would like more information or to leave a comment or prayer request, please visit our website at firstassembly.place. Thank you for tuning in to First Assembly, a place to meet with God.